It's a new day and opportunity is in the air. This is Philip with Soul Insights and you are tuned in to Good Morning Market, where everyday businesses are empowered to lead their market with the latest in market news, insights, and strategy. Hello, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever, however you're listening to the program. I'm excited to talk about how we can all grow our businesses together, how we can better business development leaders, better marketers, and the like. And I am excited about the episode we have today. I get to speak with... Um, a really cool podcast host, Retail Darwin Podcast, that I got introduced to recently. Love their content. They've got a new season coming out. And Taylor West is one of their co-hosts. Um, and I'm, I'm really uh, excited to get into the conversation with her. First, we need to, of course, get into the market roundup. I will say that um, always looking for cool podcast guests, folks who can add to the conversation. And you are my favorite source for getting... Um, those ideas and getting connected with those right folks, folks who are going to add value to your business, your career, your life. So if you have someone that you want to hear from on Good Morning Market that you want to appear, please let me know. Please contact me. You can email me, philip 2 ls at soulinsights.com. You can also reach out to me on LinkedIn, social media, on the Soul Insights channels. And then you know, ditto with uh, podcast guest appearances. If there is a podcast that you know that would be a good fit for, for me and for me to be able to get some of the messaging out there or, or add to the conversation on someone else's podcast, that's obviously cool too. But without further delay, let's get into the market roundup for the past week so we can get to the conversation with Taylor. In this week's market roundup, I want to highlight one particular piece of news for y'all. On the whole, just for some pretext, you know, it seems like the economy is doing better than many analysts thought. In terms of unemployment, GDP growth, I suppose, you know, seeing what was predicted to be the recession that many thought we would have hit by this time of year. There is one big piece of concern, which would be the um, the real estate market. So I have um, a news piece for y'all coming from Wall Street Journal. The headline is "Home Sales Slide to Lowest Pace Since 2010 as High Rate High Rates Squeeze Market." From the article, home sales fell in September to the lowest rate in 13 years, showing the corner of the economy most weakened by high interest rates remains in decline. For all of 2023, sales of previously owned homes are on track to be the lowest since at least 2011 because increased rates are weighing on demand. But high rates are also limiting the inventory of homes on the market because homeowners with low rates are unwilling to sell and move. The small supply is pushing home prices higher in much of the U.S. Existing home sales, which make up most of the housing market, decreased 2% in September from the prior month to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 3.96 million, the lowest rate since October 2010. The National Association of Realtors said Thursday, September sales fell 15.4% from a year earlier, and that is your market roundup for the week. I am really excited to introduce to y'all another podcast host, one of the fellow hosts in the pod sphere. And I found them through social media. Then I started listening to some of their podcasts. Y'all know at Good Morning Market Retail is one of my focus industries. I think it's really, really important to, um, it's like a canary in the coal mine for how the economy is doing as a whole. Um, I know, especially in my community where I live, Retail uh, is really pivotal for our tourism business, so why not get in one of the the voices who is 
uh, keeping track of this evolving industry, especially since COVID. So without further ado, I want to introduce to you all my friend, Taylor West. She's a rising voice in Boston's retail space with five years of experience in the commercial real estate industry. Her works at WS Developments Associate, Associate Director of Retail Experience and Incubation, and she's the co-host of the Retail Darwin podcast, definitely need to check that out, has taken her across the country advising retailers and restaurateurs through their navigation of new store builds, pop-up activations, and a la carte consulting needs. Launched back in the fall of 2021, the Retail Darwin podcast is dedicated to exploring the evolution of retail and was proud to round out last year in the top 20% of Spotify's business podcasts and podcasts shared globally uh take your flowers taylor that's uh that's a really <laughs> cool background and i'm i'm very impressed that um in the similar time that i've been running good morning market that y'all have been wanting the rising stars um probably because you're genuinely providing really cool content so thank you for joining today oh thank you so much i'm so excited i usually am in your seat so this is a, a good flop for me we all know that being in your seat's a lot more fun. So I hope you just just do what you want to and be extemporaneous and you just do what you want to. I need to be mining my P's and Q's. So enjoy being on the other side of the seat. Okay. I'll take my, <laughs> my uh, podcast host hat off for today. Exactly. Well, with my podcast host hat on, I always like to do something a little bit easy before we get to the hardballs. So I got to ask you a shopping question. In fact, we we talked about something you'll have coming up on your next season. The podcast is talking about um, uh, fashion trends, but I'm going to ask you about more of the the shopping experience because I'm guessing with how much consulting you do, you probably also enjoy you know the retail experience as a as a customer as well, right? Fair yeah. guess. Oh yeah. All right. That's a uh, where we get a lot of our our knowledge is just from boots on the ground shopping ourselves. Perfect. So on that point, what is something you love to experience with indoor in-store shopping? Something you really love, like they do this or you see this. I'm like, man, I'm so glad yeah. I came to this store. Yeah. Well, I think the physical space lends itself so well to being really flexible as a brand and as a retailer. And so when I pop into a store, I'm really looking for like that multi-sensory multi experience. It's a little bit of a mm -hmm. mouthful. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think the word experience has become, we talk about this in the halls of WS all the time, it's become this like D-list celeb of buzzwords, right? So yeah. it's, like, it's all it? our marketers fault, you know that. Once we start marketizing <laughs> and, and like making it a catchy, kitschy phrase, <laughs> then we ruin it. No right. one, know, no one knows what it means anymore. Exactly. I was just going to say, what does it even mean? I think it can mean a lot of things to, you know, different brands, different retailers, different mm -hmm. restaurateurs, but really rounding out your, how your brand is showing up for somebody who's actually stepping into your realm. Right. So it's like, you know, what am I smelling? The basic five senses is like the basics of retail 101, but it gets lost in the sauce like you would not believe. I think, you know, is that translated over to your employees? Um, are they greeting you when you walk in? It's really the back to the basics. And I think post COVID, we're seeing that whole wave come over again and people are getting smarter and they're getting, mm -hmm. you know, customers and retailers, right? So the consumer has high expectations these days. I have high expectations. Yes. And yeah. so this, and the, the retailer does as well of, of themselves. Um, so really just that rounded out experience. I'm stepping into your world. What do you want it to, what do you want me to feel like? Now, is that mostly, could one starting point for retailers who are listening or people who help out retail, could it be as simple as you just need to have a strategic 
vision and just uh you know so like my previous guest um owns a series of coffee shop concepts and she talks mm-hmm. about how much she continually nurtures these places to retain a unique eclectic character to it it's almost like it's it almost like a borderline comes alive and it's not just branding it's it's like you said the full five senses it's like when you go to disney world or disneyland you expect to that just as soon as you even get around anything owned by disney you will notice it and it's not just because they slap mickey mouse on stuff it's because like literally every single thing is thought through i mean is that putting too much pressure on retailers or like what is what maybe not the starting point but like what is a mindset for this is a great store a store experience in the truest sense of the word versus um you know this is not really nailing it or this wasn't really thought through well enough Yeah, I think it's daunting as a lot of things are. But if you take a step back and just ask yourself, who are we as a brand? And if you have an owner, you know, small to medium sized businesses, a lot of times like the owner is there every day. Who is that owner? Is their mindset, is their ethos running through every touch point of the brand? And a coffee shop is an amazing example. It's like, what Mm -hmm. music are you playing? Mm -hmm. Uh, When people walk in, how loud is that music? you know, what's on your specials menu? What does your experience look like in terms of greeting? Who Who's greeting you? What's their vibe? What are they wearing? What's the uniform, yep. you know, and how are they engaging with you? And all the way down, it trickles all the way down to like, what are they recommending? They're engaging mm-hmm. with you to a personalized, you know, drink maybe. Mm-hmm. And, and how are they engaging with the customer that way? And it's just following that consumer journey through, you can do test runs. We do it all the time, um, like pre-store openings and just find those touch points and just make sure that they're consistent throughout. Okay. I like that. And even like me being a B2B business, I think it's easy for us to say, oh, well, we don't have to think of those things. But I think that even with B2B, we have to really think about how our clients should have like a full comprehensive experience that is thought through and consistently executed. All right. So we could, I could just take you down the well just on that. But let me just, it, this is supposed to be a warm up. I think I've turned it into a little bit of a curveball. But um, something you really don't like to see if you're going into a retail store, you see this, experience this, hear this. No, that's not what I want. Yeah. Well, the easy answer is when you don't get greeted at the door. Mm. I think that's, you know, mm. a, a, the first uh, impression is always a big one. But I would say, like, the worst cardinal sin you can make is no music. I don't care mm. what your store is, what your restaurant is, what your coffee shop is. Like, if you walk in there, me, uh, in my role, I walk in and I'm like, where's the music? My VP yeah. retails <laughs> same exact way. Like, I'm sure people are like, oh my gosh, who are these ladies? But um, yeah, it's it's like um, the one thing I would say, mm-hmm. don't forget. That, okay, that's a really good point because, you know, I've been to outlet malls, I've been to big shopping malls, I've been to boutiques, I've been to like, you know, fancy shopping districts. I don't know why more retailers don't do this, especially boutiques, is... You go into a store. Neil Hoyne was one of my previous guests. Um, he's the strategic, uh, the chief strategist at Google, and he had found research that he shared. I think it was on LinkedIn where he said someone had done a study where it said if uh, shops offered coffee at the door, complimentary <laughs> coffee or espresso or however fancy or basic you want to make that, yeah. there was a statistical um, correlation with people shopping more and buying more. So literally, if you just executed these three things when your guests come in, 
you welcome them cheerfully and and just offer to be of, of assistance or maybe you do your you know your general like hey here's what's on sale today this is there this is there I introduce yourself by name you have music and then you offer some kind of light beverage you probably like, do that for like 60 <laughs> days and see what happens to your sales year over year or quarter over quarter i mean am i wrong here no you're right and i think like i think um the biggest thing that we see a lot is like that is an experience right aritzia is a great example that's where my mind just went they are i, I don't know if you guys have them down in savannah georgia but we don't have believe them. so Okay, it's a women's contemporary retailer. They have a coffee shop in their store. It's free. You don't even have to buy anything to go there. They mm. tested it in New York. It blew up. And now they're doing mm -hmm. it in Boston. And now they're doing it in LA. And mm -hmm. everybody's like, oh my gosh, this is a crazy expense. But if you offset mm -hmm. that version that you're getting from keeping these people in store and getting them in store in the first place under the guise of free coffee, which is what? nine dollars now mm -hmm. huge exactly so i'm i'm right there with you i think we've already got some great um insights from you on retailers and we are in the the throes of q4 holiday shopping season where we need to we need to have good finishes to the year for, for retailers or, or retail support so you're the associate director at ws development we covered that at the intro uh they produce the retail darwin podcast just to make sure we can get you a good intro with the folks listening who who may not be familiar, can you give us an overview of WS Development and then what you are doing when it comes to podcasts and that audience? Yeah, for sure. So um, WS is a Boston-based real estate development firm. We specialize in really vibrant um, retail mixed-use lifestyle centers um, across the nation. We are just we are based here in Boston, which is where I'm calling you from today. Um, and then the Retail Darwin podcast, which then is produced by the by WS Development. We're really just trying to, our tagline is exploring the evolution of retail. So you see mm -hmm. the little Darwin, like Darwin tie in there. Um, but we're really just creating a platform for insightful discussion. Um, you know, we had a lot of conversations within these four walls that we wanted to bring out into the world. And we're talking to thought leaders every day in the industry, whether that be on the broker side, it, it be on the actual retailer side, it be on the strategy side. Um, so our goal is really to just engage with our audience and bring that insight to them through the retail landscape. And and not just, I mean, we use retail in such a blanket term. It's It's really like, you know, restaurant service use it's it's all um it's all of the above okay i really like that and it make i feel i feel like that's a great way for y'all to provide upfront value based off of what ws development does i think that's a great tie-in to educate and entertain um folks and your clients and and folks in your community You, you've been exploring that evolution since fall 2021. I know this is a loaded question, but how has retail evolved in that short time? Well, ironically, we actually started in 2018 and it started as an internal newsletter. 
Oh, okay. It's, it's kind of a fun little story. And then in COVID, if you remember, webinars like had a moment. Mm -hmm. They were mm -hmm. like girl of COVID. Um, a moment. <laughs> we, yeah, we, they had a moment, yeah. but we hopped on that train pretty quickly. And then post COVID, mm -hmm. we were like, we got to keep this conversation rolling. And we um, went into the podcast space. But I think since, since then, and essentially you can say since COVID, because it was around the same time, I think retailers have really gotten more smart and more strategic, right? Because mm, okay. 2020, I would say like 2020 and 2021, was like the dividing ground, right? In, in a sad, but it happened way. Um, the good were separated from the great. And I think that, you know, the influx of social media during that time was like a compounding effect. Um, so TikTok is like a great example of this. Mm -hmm. TikTok was coming out and the first creators were really blowing up. Brands were like, what is this? Um, how do I show up? Should mm -hmm, I show mm -hmm, And then mm -hmm. what should I do? <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think then you see like the Instagrams get really involved in it and Snapchat tried and it's really overwhelming, right? So oh, yeah. it was like you had this terrible time in, in, in COVID and you really had to like lean out and get, and get your shit together. Excuse me. I don't mm -hmm, know if I can mm -hmm. this podcast. Um, it's all good. But then after the fact, it's like, wow, I have 400 things that are pulling me in 900 directions. Yeah. And so with that, you just find out what works for you and execute on it and get the noise out of the way. Um, and so I think people are being more, they're planning heavily on what their marketing strategy is going to look like before. You know, it was a lot of fly by the seat of your pants I was seeing yep. before the fact, which Hey, yeah. that works. It works. And especially it allows people to be nimble, but we can talk about that later. Um, mm -hmm. But really getting smarter about your marketing strategy is getting smarter about who your customer is. We do a yes. lot of work on like consumer profiles and then matching mm -hmm. that to the consumer profile in your demographic. Where's yes. the overlap? You're you know, my language. Yeah. I mean, I think like the biggest thing that we realize in that space is that a lot of people have a customer and then they have a customer that they want. And it's like, yeah. you can't ignore the customer that you have to get the customer yes. that you want, yes. uh, which is, which is a hard conversation to have. But at the end of the day, it's like, there's a lot of avenues to take and there's a lot of people to meet. It's just like, you're losing, you're mm -hmm. losing opportunity by, yeah. you know, trying to be something and not recognize one it. in the hand is better than two in the bush is an old saying for a reason, right? That's exactly what you're speaking there about, you right? There you go. Yeah. Yep. Money. Don't, don't ever throw. Yeah. Don't ever turn away money in your pocket. <laughs> yeah. And you may not even realize it, but yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a great question. And, and it dovetails into, I know, um, in my market, uh, our, one of our nicknames is a slow Vanna. And it, as part of our charm, I mean, it, it Savannah is truly a charming market. But we've always been to get, we've always been able to get away uh, with being a little bit more behind the times. And we're a historic city, so maybe it's just part of our, our, I don't know, our brand. But COVID changed all that. So we, in a unique way, were a test tube for just for what you just talked about. Is uh, it was a sink or swim moment for retail for anybody who sold to consumers the foot traffic was dead and that was something um it wasn't as dead as some other places but for a place that was just used to tons of foot traffic all the time because of how much tourism we get um and then to have that dry up just yeah. precipitously and very suddenly and then all you said all the acceleration the changes 
all of a sudden, every single retailer and their mom, even if they really didn't know what they were doing, started to look into, oh, I might need to figure out how I can sell my product online because I'm way too dependent on foot traffic. And now you know, it's 2020 or 2021. And now I've got to figure this omni-channel thing out. So there's been a lot of development, I know, nationwide, but, you know, definitely I saw that in my own uh, home community. I feel like small small retailers, like, they got punched in the face and like, oh, I, I need to figure this whole thing out. What is the good, the bad, and then the ugly that you've seen in providing that integrated shopping experience mm-hmm. where these smaller retailers, oh, since COVID, have been trying to figure out, well, how do I deliver what you talked about at the top, a great in-store experience, but also, I need to be able to marry that and extend that with a great online experience. Yeah. Well, I'll start off by saying closing the gap between the physical and the digital space is essential. And mm. I think people, the consumer journey, oftentimes we say just starts on the phone. They're mm. likely finding you digitally first and then experiencing you physically. And I think to your point in a lot of like main street retail and historic sites and things like that, it's really exciting to have that, you know, great physical space. And then mm-hmm. the website can come later and then maybe mm-hmm. it never, comes, you know, mm-hmm. these days you need more touch points to get the sales. And I think an omni-channel experience is the, is the only way you can do that. I don't think you need to necessarily be selling on Instagram. I think you yeah. just, to, you know, have a great uh, digital experience that mirrors that of your physical. So just like we talked about earlier, it's like what going back to like, who are we and how does that show up in real life? Who are we? And then how do we talk about that digitally? Mm -hmm. And and what does that storytelling look like? Um, Which is really, which is really great. And I think it's, it's good and it's hard. Like we can't, we can't uh, diminish the fact that there's a cost associated with going with integrating digital, like in both mm-hmm. the dollar terms and mm-hmm. the resource terms of, of, of cost. Um, you yes. know, it, it, it's hard to manage your inventory in a new yes. way. Like that. It's, it's risky. You could have some channel conflict potentially if you're not really clean with it. And so mm-hmm. I would say, you know, and also personnel, it takes somebody to run this stuff, you yep. know, um, so I would say like my biggest thing is you have to do it in mm-hmm. some way. You don't have to necessarily set up an online shop, but just have a great website. It could be a landing mm-hmm. page, but just yeah. something that is like, where can we reach you? Where do I find you? What's your address? What's your Instagram? Yep. And then a little peek of like what you have in store to get people in. You mm-hmm. just don't want to lose the people. Um, yep. if you're going to sell, if you're gonna upload your inventory and, and create that second sales channel, that's fantastic, but just make sure that you have the resources and you can do it in a clean, really tight, efficient way. Um, because yeah. people get lost in that mm-hmm. as a customer, that's going to affect their, you know, their idea of your brand's equity. Yeah, I, I love what you said there. And one thing to piggyback that just came up to me, because I've worked with retailers who sell, who sell an average product or average cart that's like sub $65. And I've worked with retail clients that are selling like $5,000 pieces of luxury uh, luxury furniture. So yeah. those those folks, those folks with their indoor experience, when they add on omni-channel, it's going to look different for those two, right? So from what I'm seeing in the data is a lot of your savvy customers, if they're shopping for something that's going to cost them five grand, they're, they're probably going to want to do a lot of window shopping through the internet, make their decision, 
but then go in person to go purchase it. So like you said, for maybe one of those retailers, maybe it's really about really having a great window shopping experience, a storytelling experience through digital, which then invites them in the right way to come and convert in person. Whereas if you're someone who's just a natural fit for lots of volume online, then it becomes something where you want to have that seamless experience, but you have to once again figure out all these variables, including inventory management and personnel and processes. Um, one one follow-up question, you, you already hinted at it when you started to answer was like, when I say omni-channel, most of us will be thinking website and then brick and mortar. But there's obviously the and there's obviously the other digital sales spaces that are emerging, which is like shopping directly from Google. How much do you op optimize your Google search to, to purchase? And then obviously social media like TikTok shopping, Instagram shopping, Facebook market, uh, Facebook shopping. Mm -hmm. How much for like for like a retailer who's sub $10 million, do you think that that is something to where just where we are, they all need to be into that too? Or do you think that that's more of a niche need and opportunity for very specific retailers? Yeah, I would say the majority of retailers I work with fall into that bucket of sub 10. And I think I don't know one of them that is like exploring all of those channels, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. at least of the ones that I work with. And and like I said, it's from a resource standpoint, like it's mm -hmm. not worth it. Their, their opportunity cost of spending their time on something else is is greater. I think it's also very easy for the brand to get diluted when you're showing up everywhere. True, um, true. And it is a trade-off. Yeah, there's a huge trade-off there. And I think like holding on to your brand's integrity is probably one of the driving factors of most of the decisions an owner is making. Yep. Um, if you are like a Zara or somebody who has a huge corporate office and you can do that kind of stuff, then yeah, absolutely be targeting those, um, you know, those channels. The biggest, like, if you're going to take that extra leap, the first thing I would say is get into paid advertising. Just mm -hmm. through book meta, you know, targeted mm -hmm. ads on Instagram, you don't have to break the bank. People think it takes a million dollars to do that. No, you can throw $30 a day at it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's the easiest way to just, we see it all the time. You can't get over that hump. You can't get over that sales goal. Up some targeted ads and you're there. Gotcha. Makes sense. And yeah, so folks, just something based off what Taylor's saying is, we're talking about the placement part of the marketing matrix. And so just like you need to be very strategic with your physical uh, placement channels, you got to go where the customers are and you have to make sure that like, for example, if you were uh, doing wholesale or going through different sales channels with partners, it has, do you have to make sure that something that doesn't hurt the brand, something that's going to get consistent, uh, consistently executed is going to deliver a great experience for the end customer. Same thing when you're looking at digital sales channels, because obviously there's 15 different directions you can go. But if you can't execute it, manage it properly, deliver great experiences consistently, fewer is better for the protection of the brand and protection of the customer, um, you know, their their delight, their value. So I want to uh, ask Taylor some more questions about this. Taylor, I like where this is going. We're going to take a quick break to hear from today's episode sponsor, Soul Insights. This episode is sponsored by Soul Insights. Is your business looking to hit the next level of growth? For many businesses, they know they need to spend more on marketing, but don't want to simply shoot in the dark. They want a smart, data-driven path to solid growth. If this is you, then Soul Insights can help you to identify, attract, and retain ideal customers. Soul Insights is a strategic marketing agency which helps small and mid-sized businesses understand their best customers, who they are, their shopping behavior, and acquire new best customers based on that data. Oh, and it's all measured and tracked to ensure you get more profit bang for your marketing buck. 
Head to soulinsights.com right now and take the 90-second quiz to find your path to the next level. I'm liking where we're going. Let's keep the train rolling, Taylor. Uh, what characterizes a smart, scaling retail brand in 2023? All right. I would say, like we talked about earlier, you have to know who you are, but the next step, provide personalized recommendations. So okay. that could be as simple as your store's associates, you know, getting to know their customer and clienteling is like an exercise mm. that can always, um, you know, grow within. Um, upselling, you know, what are you keeping towards your cash wrap? We, in the break, we just talked about, you know, at the coffee shop, it's a great example. You want a shot of vanilla? Another dollar. You want mm-hmm. some almond milk? Mm-hmm. 50 cents. Um, but the, but the big big ticket item I see this, especially coming into holiday is loyalty programs Um, Mm -hmm. that can show up in a whole slew of different ways. It could be bounce backs. It could be, you know, somebody's a retailer is partnering with a great Boston based brand out here called Clavio, which does text Mm -hmm. message, um, SMS marketing, Mm -hmm. a big IPO. Um, But really just targeting your customer to come back again. Mm-hmm. Letting them know, you know, hey, we, we're invested in you and you're invested in us and creating that, you know, snowball effect um, through some sort of loyalty program, whatever your industry or or your use type might make sense for. Lovely. So I'm going to recap that because actually I need to remember this for consulting my retail clients. I'm just like, hey, you just need to listen <laughs> to this episode. Listen to what Taylor says. All right. So number one was personalized recommendations. Was that one? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, providing your the client with personalized recommendations based off of their purchase history, um, what they might anecdotally be telling yep. you, yep. things like that. And and that's related to not just the owner, because obviously when an owner first starts the business, they know they're regulars. But then you have to train your team where each of your teams, each of your uh, locations, they know they're regulars. And it's like that ownership process and relationship building, which then leads into the personalized recommendations. So that I think that was like a kind of like a big package relationship builder. Number two was knowing how to cross sell, upsell, right? Invite them to add stuff to the cart. You know, you, you, you see someone bring a single item. Oh, you know, that goes well with this. Or, you know, a lot of clients really like this. And then the third one, like you said, was loyalty programs. Is that correct? Yeah. Right. Which appears really nicely. I had a conversation recently with Peter Fader, um, who teaches at University of Pennsylvania. And uh, that's what the entire conversation in the book that I I had read and reviewed um, was about was prioritizing higher value customers. Some customers, no matter what you do, they'll come into your store one time. They, they They may buy, they may not buy, and they will never come again, and there's nothing you can do about it. Those customers should not have the same attention as the ones that come to you every week and are spending thousands of dollars of their precious discretionary cash, right? Those are two different kinds of customers. Yep. Yeah. I mean, retail is a relationship game at the end of the day. It boils down to face-to-face, people-to-people, and people like engaging with people, and especially if they have a reason to. I think it also trains your staff to be more invested in your business, um, which is huge. And then it's, like I said, snowballing up. The other thing I would say is like, stay nimble in your strategy, but stay like, I, I call it like strategically nimble. So that doesn't mean, you know, you have to have endless pockets. It also doesn't mean that you have to have no plan and just be so pivoting at every single day. I think <laughs> pivot, the, pivot, pivot. Yeah, like the friends episode. I I send that. You can over pivot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I would say to that point, like plan for the unknown. 
leave mm -hmm. a reserve in your budget that in Q4, in next Q1, that allows you to have that space. You might not use it, but the worst thing you want you like to happen is that an opportunity falls on your lap mm -hmm. to participate in a really cool pop-up. I, I last weekend I was um in um the Catskills in New York, which is like this booming market for cool what's next, what's happening. Um, and there's this awesome thing called field and supply. It's a, it's a market of just like top tier makers and mm -hmm. like participating in something like that, if a slot opened up and you hadn't planned for it and you have that mm -hmm. little nugget to throw at it, it might transform your entire year. You know, you're meeting yep. people you, you wouldn't have met otherwise and, or, it could be as simple as creating a, a marketing campaign at the 11th hour that some Gen Z thought of in the middle of the night and yep. you, can't, you can't hold off on. So that would be, that would be my, my fourth one. I would just add in. No, that's, that, that's genius. Um, I don't say that hyperbolically like Taylor, that's <laughs> genius. And, and I feel like first folks who've been following us, following this podcast for a bit, I think that ties in um, to marketing also ties into operations. What Taylor said, if you're full, like you, in a way, what Taylor is saying, you don't want to over pivot and constantly be changing. You want to be, you don't want to have a strategy and stick with the strategy with conviction, but you don't want to be all in as if you cannot pivot because that means you lose your nimbleness. And then you can't jump on opportunities and trends that, and not, uh, you know, inevitably will pop up and we're not on your radar when you did your annual plan and uh, did your budget, which then ties into what we've talked about previously in this podcast, which is within a marketing budget, you want to have. 15% uh, of your marketing budget retained for just experimentation. So you basically have that reserved so you can try different things and experiment different things. Part of for a retailer, what that marketing budget could tie into the experiment budget, the R&D budget is when you see a, a trend pop up, jump in the waters early, dip your toe in there, see what happens. And of course, that probably also ties into uh, some operations cash where you can spend something up when you see an opportunity just to, you know, to see how it sticks. Is and do you feel like I'm tracking with you? Absolutely. Okay. Same language. <laughs> exactly. Okay, good, good. I love that. That was that was brilliant. I've uh, seen how well this conversation is going and how amazing your answers are. I'm going to ask you to put on your little economist hat like we're on CNBC or Fox Business. I pulled up a little, little economic forecast for us, which is encouraging. Deloitte just put out a forecast. They're expecting 35 to 4.6% year-over-year growth for the holiday season in retail sales. Uh, this would be in line, by the way. I went and also checked National Retail Federation st stats. They have some good resources they have been documenting year over year growth in each of the holiday seasons. So we're heading into Christmas time and it looks like we'll have another three and a half to four points in growth. Um, what do you think retailers are doing to capture and influence this growth this year? Yeah, well, I think it's really interesting because although it's growth, it's slowed growth. And I think okay. um, retailers are recognizing that. And I think this holiday season in particular is a little bit, extra daunting um okay 
that all that said, consumer sentiment is definitely on the rise across the board. And I think okay. that that's something we can all feel really confident in. Um, mm-hmm. But being strategic about those sales channels, leveraging like-minded audiences is something that we're seeing a lot of this year, especially Q3, Q4. So that might look like, you know, brand collaborations on the uptick, um, creating scarcity models, even if they don't really exist through marketing, um, through maybe it's drops or things like that on the brand side. Um, But then also choosing where they're going to show up in the physical space is huge this year. Um, So, while retailers are not so much on, on the big big scale, they're not abandoning the cities by any means, but they're also meeting their customer where they are in their neighborhoods, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. It's something mm-hmm. that my work um, surrounds day to day is finding, you know, what are those great neighborhoods adjacent to cities? Uh, you see some really big names starting to kind of trickle out into the suburbs and and into these like lifestyle centers that I work within. Um, and then, and then, you know, have love will follow. Everybody's kind of coming and joining that trend, um, which is really exciting. Um, I think also we touched on this a little bit earlier, but, um, popping up and having trunk shows and expanding to different markets in small, low barrier to entry ways is something that we're seeing an uptick of as well. It's our pop-up division is is huge here. And I think that it, it's showing no signs of slowing, which is really exciting. Um, but it's, it's a great way for brands to kind of meet new audiences or they might look into their data and see the, some zip codes that are very surprising you know, mm-hmm. the uptick, like what are those like top five zip codes, go to those five markets, find a like-minded retailer and ask them if you can do something with them, pop up in their store for a weekend, meet their customer um, and just continue to learn that way. And so I think people have a generally good attitude, but it's conservative in the, in the nature that like, we're all being really careful about where we show up. Wow. That's, that's really enlightening. Sounds like there's a lot of creative strategy um, that yeah. is uh, that is enabling the smart retailers to capture this this like you said I, I and I too am seeing kind of like the swing in consumer spending as you know when COVID first happened you couldn't get experiences or services so it was all about the products and then right. things swung back when things first first opened up you had like the revenge spending or whatever you call it and so everybody wanted to go on vacation and experience and restaurants. Now I feel like yeah, like you said, maybe products are very in right now, but um, the the growth is a little bit slower. And the smarter retailers, they're looking at the data, they're finding more creative ways to get to the customers. They're finding more creative ways to market, and whether it be you know scarcity or limited drops, collaborations. Um, yeah, I like the creative thinking that some of these um, exemplary retailers are engaging in. So uh, you've already given some great advice, but I, I guess I'll ask you uh, regardless is what is your main advice to small and mid-sized retail brands going into the final holiday sh- uh, season, uh, shopping season of 2023? Yeah. Uh, when, when uh, well, I mean, it's end of October now. When when are we going to see this episode? You think so? I can... Oh, oh, yeah. It's gonna it's gonna drop Monday. So yeah. Oh, okay. Well, before then, Halloween. Uh, then I can still say plan early. <laughs> mm-hmm. That would be my advice. Um, yeah. I also would say, you know, our teams are like our strongest assets, and during the holiday season, it's your it, that can be your make or break. If your team is burnt out, they're not going to be making their sales, and I right. think you're not going to be hitting your goals. Um, the biggest thing I would do is 
if everything else is in line, you've got your marketing strategy, your inventory set, which it should be by now anyway, um, mm -hmm. get with your team and predict where those pain points are going to come up because nothing is worse than getting excited as a consumer too. Like, you know, I'm on both sides of the coin, but like nothing is worse than going out, getting excited to go shopping for Christmas or whatever holiday holiday you celebrate and then being met by the Grinch, you know, because somebody yep. is so burnt out and, and it's not their yep. fault. Um, so I don't want it to come off as that. It's not their fault at all. But if you can get in front of that and you can mm -hmm. embrace the festive spirit, whatever that means for you, and just mm -hmm. make sure that we're capitalizing on that like joy factor, that surprise and delight that comes with the holiday yes. season, like it seems like a silly, simple answer, but it goes such a long way, um, especially in this, like I said earlier, people to people world where, you know, it can make or break a sale and experience, then a comeback later after the holidays, you know, things like mm -hmm. that. You're, you're going to be seeing customers that maybe you don't see so regularly, right? Mm -hmm. They might yep. not be Susie who comes in every other month and drops mm -hmm. a lot of money. It might be, you know, Debbie who comes in twice a year. And mm -hmm. so it's a really big opportunity. And I think like, you know, projecting where those opportunities might fall short is key. One, oh, wow. So just, yeah. So that, yeah. First of all, like look inside of your team, because if you, if your team isn't ready and your team's not in the right mindset and they're burnout, then all of this is a moot point, right? Cause it takes a team to make, to really execute this. But like, like Taylor said, coming back full circle. So we talked about what do you like to see in an in-store shopping experience? We talked about personalized recommendation, attent attentiveness, uh, recognizing your regulars, cross sell, upsell, loyalty programs well if you add on that and you can you can uh, deliver a unique experience where you've got the right music or the right drinks like if you've got mm -hmm. eggnog or hot cocoa and you've got the right kind of you know christmas music you can play mariah carey five thousand times in a <laughs> row but like you people need to feel that energy you need to be in the holiday spirit those retailers are gonna if they have the right team who's energized and ready to execute that they're going to kill it compared to their competitors. And, you know, everybody's your competitor because we're in a borderless market and people have literally options from across the world when it comes to shopping for whatever your thing is. So if you don't execute these things, like Taylor said, um, you, 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 uh, yeah, you might be a little disappointed with how your Q4 turns out. So let me ask you one question of, and in closing, um, based off of this, how this conversation is going, I'd like to see if I could trap you into another hour's worth of content. This has been great. <laughs> Folks, we'll just have to follow the Retail Darwin podcast so we can get more of you. Um, but what is the main thing no one is talking about, but we should be? Yeah, this is a great question. I think people talk about this a little bit and then it falls off because for whatever reason. I think um, the importance of sustainability in the retail space is something that generational consumers weigh heavy on. So we see this all the time in the reports, right? Like Gen Z wants sustainability. They want to see what you're doing. They want you to be transparent. There, there was that whole wave a couple of years ago of like radical transparency in retail. I don't think you have to go that crazy. You don't have to open your books. However, you know, it could be as simple as asking, like, do you need a bag at checkout? Like, it, and it goes such a long way because, you know, it happens to me all the time out here. I don't know about in Georgia, but you get charged out in Massachusetts for 10 cents a bag or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, comes from an, 
a mindset of sustainability, but it also translate over to like your brand's values. And I think mm-hmm. people invest in that. People are investing. They want to, if, if I'm walking around with my lip gloss here from this lip gloss company, like I actually know that they keep their packaging to a minimum. Mm-hmm. And I like that because I want to invest in somebody who's like-minded like me. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, a, it's, it comes in waves, I think. Um, and there's a lot of voices and there's a lot of noise about how green factor and sustainability sh- should be, you know, best showing up in this space. Fashion is a terrible, um, fast fashion, especially is terrible for, for the world and, and for, everything but i think getting smarter on the store level is a really simple way to just show another touch point of your values and and connect with your consumer and tell them what you care about yeah i i think that um even for you know folks it may not be like a specific like super value for you and you might not be the extreme side if you're a business owner, you're already likely, if you're a smart business owner, looking for operations efficiency to avoid waste. You're probably looking to uh, find more ways to be energy efficient. Do those things. It will be better for your bottom line. And then communicate that to the customer because like Taylor said, increasingly, you know, millennials, I believe, are already, you know, the biggest um, consumer demographic. Um, you know, baby boomers have the most uh, cash to, to, to spend, but like millennials are the biggest shopping demographic and the greatest emerging shopping demographic is gen z so they care about this so for your own sake focus on these things for your bottom line and then communicate that to the customer who's going to want to see that you're minding your p's and q's when it comes to avoiding waste and trying to um not waste uh resources and you know like that is a it's not it's not a marketing thing to like like a you know like an advertisement, but it's a marketing thing to communicate. Priority for them is priority for you. So I, I fully second um, that sentiment, I'm, and you're right because that is not something that comes up in conversation very often. Taylor, thank you very much for joining Good Morning Market. It was a pleasure and a lot of fun to talk about retail, and your insights have been very helpful to me, and I know it's been helpful to our audience. How can folks connect with you, follow you, keep track of what you're doing? Because um, I think there's more to uncover here from from Taylor. Yeah, well, thank you so much. This has been so fun. Um, you can find me the Retail Darwin on Instagram um, or on LinkedIn. My, you know, just Taylor West, or you can also follow the Retail Darwin. They have a, we have a LinkedIn page um, as well. Very nice. Okay, so I will link that in the show notes. So Instagram. You also said LinkedIn as well, and then I'll put the uh, podcast link to y'all's uh, podcast. Thank you very much, Taylor. Have a great finish to the year and keep doing what y'all are doing. There's a lot of evolution to explore and highlight and y'all y'all are doing some great work over there. Thank you. Thank you so much. Love it when a good plan comes together. Uh, 
getting uh, Taylor on was a pleasure. She added some really cool insights to the conversation on retail. And there was a lot of uh, takeaways, I also believe, for non-retail businesses, um, a lot of principles that kind of translate well across a variety of, of sectors. One thing I was going to say is the devil's in the details. And I feel like in, in some ways we've touched on this, for example, with the Savannah Bananas when I had um, Jesse Cole on and, and then Jared Orton. Um, Taylor talked about, okay, people have so many options to, to, to uh, take their time and their money to. So if you're trying to compete for their dollars, uh, these little details separate the, you, you from the herd. Do you have music? Do you have a good sensory experience? When people come in, do they smell certain things? Do they see certain things? Do they hear certain things? Uh, and then it comes down to just hospitality. Are you training your people to be to be hospitable, to be uh, accommodating, to be helpful, to be professional, to recognize the regulars so people actually feel like they're appreciated when they come over and over again? Those little human details, those little sensory experiences elevate you above the rest if you consistently and strategically execute them. And that was point number one that that I took away from an abundance of uh, takeaways. Number two was, um, as I figured she would say, is you know COVID really separated the wheat from the chaff when it came to retail, and the acceleration continues. Um, everything I put on fast forward during COVID, a lot of retailers and people in food service restaurants went under and it was it was tragic but um the way you were afforded to be able to run a business pre-covid um it changed it it is forever changed we have to be faster smarter more agile you have to maintain your cash flow so you can have the ability to jump on trends like um taylor said that's the kind of stuff that a lot of us we just didn't have it on our radar uh prior to covid but this is the new this is the new reality uh everything is accelerated so you have to be that much smarter you have to be that much more agile you have to be that much more aware of what's happening with your customer with your target market with your competitors um i don't know that there's a specific tactic to to share there it's just this the air that we breathe now. The economy and in in, in in advancement and your consumers, your shoppers, everything is accelerating and expectations are as high as they've ever been. And then finally I was going to add be creative marketing and, and be data driven in your relationship building. That was another thing that Taylor said. Um, creative in your marketing, um, which a lot of retailers are really good at doing, is whether it be co, you know, doing uh, multi brand release campaigns, creating a sense of scarcity with limited drops, like those kinds of things. The, the kind of off-the-wall stuff is this kind of stuff that, 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 that gets attention. So don't be vanilla. You know, people people don't want to shop vanilla. People want to shop novel, something that's unique, something that's got sizzle. Um, so getting just finding different ways to create that scarcity, finding different ways to generate demand, finding different ways to leverage different audiences and combine forces. Those are the kind of things that, you know, in the retail space, and I'm sure other spaces where you have lots of saturation, lots of competition for the dollar, you got to do something different to be able to get the exceptional results. You can't just, you know, do your basics and that's going to take you to the promised land. And then, you know, on the other side, what Taylor mentioned, which I also thought was wise, we talk about on the podcast all the time is you have to be able to prioritize value, prioritize the relationships that are being invested in you. You have to know who those regulars are. You have to know how to invest in them. You have to train your staff to cross-sell, upsell. That stuff you know, comes with time, but you have to invest in it if you want to be able to get bigger cards, more frequency of orders, all those good things which help a business grow. So same thing for retail, same thing with everybody else. You know, Recency, frequency, monetary value. And then finally... Um, 
that was a great conversation. So connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm looking forward to doing more of these as we finish up 2023. And remember, folks, in order to lead your market, you must first hear and know your market.